It is season two of FritzCast, beginning today, this very episode, in fact. And what are we going to talk about today? Holidays are over. They're in the books. They're done. They're gone. Now we start anew, and we're starting anew with a very unlikely president-elect, Donald Trump, who in a few short weeks will be taking the oath of office. We got that to cover. There's a whole lot of news I left out the past couple of weeks to keep the holiday spirits up. But now it's time for it to all come crashing back to reality. Unfortunately, that's life. So there's all that. There's a 2016 in review. And overviewing the first full year of FritzCast that there has been. There's been like 51 prior episodes, so... Tighten your seatbelts and get ready. We're back to our normal scheduled programming. This is FritzCast. New year, new me, huh? Yeah. If you listened to last week's episode, you know how I think that's a crack of crap. Same you, different year. You you know that old saying, same crap, different day. Well, same crap, different year. Okay, 2017, the year to start anew, which is a novel concept. It's a novel idea. I like it. Uh, it, it, it's, It's important to, you know think that you have a, a chance to refresh yourself. yourself. Absolutely. Uh, you have the opportunity to do it any time during the year, but you wait. You wait until the new year because, you know, clean slate. Clean slate. Something like that, right? I, 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 don't, I don't subscribe to these type of uh, things, so you'll, you'll have to tell me. I don't know. So how's everybody doing? It is Tuesday, not Monday, Tuesday. January 3rd, 2017. I've been throwing out the date every episode, I think. And I've, uh, like, it got so redundant towards the end here, where I was like, 2016, as if the year is going to change. It is. It, It finally did. In fact, there was a story out of Arizona. Over the weekend, and the only reason I know this is because my sister lives out in Arizona. My mom is currently out in Arizona. So... There's a story about how twins were born in different years. Get it? Because one was born December 31st, 2016, and then one was born January 1st, 2017. Right? So, the 2016 twin gets to lay claim that they are, in fact, older than their sibling. Kind of cool, right? I'm sure that's never happened in the history of ever before, but... The news decided to report on it because, you know, hey, (laughs) people are going to click it. Clickbait. Bring in that revenue. I'm having a banner start to my day. It's uh, it's almost 11 a.m. I usually have the episode recorded and posted by now on a a Monday, no less. Yesterday that didn't happen. It was obviously the observed holiday of New Year's because it fell on a Sunday and people get special, uh, special privileges like that. Except for people like me who had to work the holiday. But I'm not enough about complaining about that. Uh, It's a rainy day. It's cold. And I had to drive into the city to spend about an hour and a half. Plus travel time. So let's call it two hours. uh, Taking an exam for a promotional opportunity at work. And I like to be vague about this stuff now. I, I realized I've, I may be giving away too much information. Scale it back a little bit. Uh, it, let's just say it was a test for a promotional opportunity. And every time I go to take these tests, I walk out of them thinking to myself, there's no possible way that people are that stupid. 
And what I mean by that is I take these tests and the questions sometimes are just unbelievable. Like to to a degree that it almost insults your intelligence almost. You're like, this is a question that you ask somebody who is promoting up in the ranks for realsies. Like this is this is the this is the bar. This is the standard. This is what you're bringing to the table for real. And no joke, that's what it is. Every time I go for one of these tests, man, the only thing I really hate about the process, I understand. Take a test, make sure you're qualified for the position, I guess. Maybe it's still a stretch because a test only can measure so much in terms of somebody's intelligence and decision-making abilities, which is what my job is all about, right? Tell me why half the test is about sentence structuring, and I don't mean like, I don't mean like an offender's sentencing. I mean like sentences, like written sentences, like grammatical formatting, like basic what you learn in high school and before. Proper English is the test in parts. There was a whole section of this test that was literally all sentence structuring is this the proper use? Is this the proper grammar? And it's a big deal because, I guess, report writing and all that. But still, I'm like, how do you not know this stuff? How do you not know? Most of the sentences you can just read out loud or in your head and go, that sounds wrong. But I guess that's what the job comes down to. So that might be in the horizon in the future. Who is to say? We'll leave it up to, we'll chalk it up to fate right now. It's It was preliminary stuff anyway, knocking stuff out of the way so that I can be eligible to interview and apply and so on and so forth. Formalities, formalities, nothing is in the plays right now. And what's really funny about that too is that for some reason there's been a rumor going on at work amongst the people. I love gossip and rumors because I like finding out where the origin of it began because some of the information is so blatantly false. I've had a dozen or more people come up to me. Is it true you're leaving? Is it true you're transferring to another department? Is it true you're, you're venturing out into the wild blue yonder? And I'm sitting here like, what? I'm like, you guys do realize I'm taking my uh, exam for promotion like in a week or two, right? Which is in-house, right? Which is like a two-hour test, right? I have to drive into the city, pay for parking somewhere take time out of my day off to do it and and why would I do all of that stuff if it was just going to be you know a waste of five dollars for parking and two hours of my life and driving into the city which aggravates me to no end why would I do that if I was going to different pastures and then I went a step further and I said if I was leaving you would know you would have heard right from the horse's mouth that I'm gone and the only way it looks like I'm leaving right now is if I had a radio contract or a broadcasting media company, something like that. And my degree doesn't come uh, f- until uh, April, I believe, is when I'll be wrapped up. I-, I believe I'm going into my last set of classes now. So if that's the case, why would I be leaving now? Doesn't make any sense. Don't know where the rumor came from. I'm just amused by... Every time somebody asks me, because they ask me with that look on their face, like, is it true? I heard, I overheard somebody. And then you question them about it. You say, hey, all right, well, who'd you hear that from? Oh, I just, I heard it around. Really? You just heard it around. Okay. I get it. You don't want to throw somebody under the bus. But how about we just not give credence to rumors? I mean, I appreciate that you came and asked and that you didn't spread the rumors, that you tried to get the correct information. But seriously, tell me who spread the rumors, because it's my name. It's my name out there. I know it's not anything incriminating, right? Like, oh, he's leaving. That's not very incriminating. That's not very downplaying on my character or anything. But seriously, tell me who it was so I can confront him. What, do you, what are you putting my name out there for? Why? What, what, what purpose? What motivation? Why did you say my name and going somewhere? Who'd you hear it from? Let me correct it. Because now I'm getting ready to just make it like a widespread announcement to everybody. Stop asking if I'm leaving. You would know if I was. The long story short there is two hours of my life from this morning gone. Had to t- 
take an exam. Had to drive into the city for it. Very aggravating, raining, cold, blah, blah, blah. It's time I could have been playing Battlefield, which, yes, I'm still obsessed over. Going to be for a little bit, and then it'll get old, and the next game will come out, and we'll go from there. But until that time, it's Battlefield. All right, get over it. It's not your video game time. It's my video game time. Which, by the way, Xboxers, if you want to add me, uh, what is my F'd up Ritz? F, capital F, D, capital U, P, capital R, I, T, Z. So the letters that I said were capital are capital. No other letters are capital. Go ahead and add me. Just send me a message. Say, I listen to your podcast, and I think it'd be fun to play with you online. Don't say it like that. Sounds very weird now that I think of it. Anyway, moving on. It is a whole new year. I've been doing the podcast for a year now, and that's insane to me. Insane. I'm on my SoundCloud page right now. I have 51 episodes pumped out because I missed a week. So give me some credit. I I missed a week. Big whoop. 51 tracks that you can listen to anywhere. It's on SoundCloud. It started exclusively on SoundCloud. If you you don't know the story, if you're just tuning in now, let me give you a quick breakdown. It was last Christmas. I gave you my heart, and the very next day you gave it away. Is what George Michael would say if he was here. God rest his soul. He'd passed away. One of the many 2016 celebrities that, uh, that 2016 took from us. Thanks, arbitrary year. More on that in a minute, though. Last Christmas, my wife got me this uh, microphone. I I don't know why I blanked on the word. It's sitting right in front of my face. Uh, It is from Blue Microphones. Very great company. It is the Snowball Ice microphone, and so it looks like a snowball. Uh, We bought all this different equipment as the months went by, as the months progressed. So I have a boom stand. I have a pop filter so I can say P words. And it doesn't watch. I'll take it away. This is me saying a P word. Hear that? Uh. Pop filter up. Now I can say a P word and it doesn't go that poof. Professionalism. Explained. Then I moved everything into the office because I was sitting in my living room slash dining room. My house is really small. Give me a break. Moved it all from there where it was really echoey. It's still kind of echoey in here. Uh, you have to take baby steps, though. It's a confined area. Not a lot of background noise. Right, right. What's the next step? Ooh, buy some type of soundproofing that I can put up and take down as I need to. Next step. But that'll be a little bit because the next actual step is building my corner desk and getting me a goddamn computer chair. Sorry, babe, I keep bringing it up. But I'm sitting in one of our dining room table chairs Uh, leaning forward into my microphone, uh, cluttered on this small little desk that no longer does its job well anymore. And that's kind of hard for a desk to accomplish because a desk is literally just there to put stuff on. I have my split screen set up. My iMac is now very dwindling in age. It's like... It's like I wake it up in the morning and it's like, oh, hey, buddy, what do you want to do? Oh, you're opening GarageBand. Oh, Jesus, here we go. I can't run all this stuff all at once anymore. I'm not like I used to be. You know why the show has been uh, void of sound clips recently? I Remember, I was in the thick of it during the primary presidential elections, really playing sound bits and all that. And that's because it was really easy for me to go onto YouTube get my software booted up, extract an audio from something, and put it in. And now my computer struggles to do that because it's like, oh, man, why are you running so many things at once? Why do you want to multitask? Damn it! So who knows? Maybe tax time comes, we have a couple extra spending dollars, and I can start saving up and buy a brand new iMac, which some people are out there are like, man, this guy needs to stop giving his money to Apple. Lord. But yeah, as the year progressed, so did the elements that I could uh, put into the podcast. So, I'm in a semi-studio at least. I have really good equipment. I'm recording in a garage band, which I'm sure some people out there think are thinking, wow, what an amateur, and I hate to break it to you, that's what I am. Yes, you gotta start somewhere. 
and I did. Started from the bottom, now I'm here. And where could I go? The sky is literally the limit. And I categorize you if you're one of those people, like like I just said. You're a judger. Stop judging me. And we've had a crazy year in 2016. Kind of started and we'll kind of start off with the celebrity deaths. Like I mentioned, George Michael. We had um, David Bowie pass. Carrie Fisher passing. That actually that one got me harder than I expected it to. Because when they announced that she had the heart attack on the on the airplane. I thought, oh, and then it seemed like things were fine. I was like, oh, okay, we're good, we're good. She's she's uh, she's recovering, and then just to slip away like that in the blink of an eye, and then her mother too. That's a sad story, and proof that more proof to the idea that you know heartbreak can in fact uh, impact somebody so heavily that that they. That they lose the will to live, as as cheesy as that Star Wars Episode Three Revenge of the Sith line may be. It's oddly telling. But there were so many others. Gene Wilder passing. Arnold Palmer. Uh, Fidel Castro. Okay, that one's a joke. Nobody cared about Fidel. Sorry. Uh, Florence Henderson. Alan Thicke. William Christopher, the the Reverend from the MASH series, most famous known as. A lot of people don't remember these ones uh, because they were earlier in the year. Anton Yelkin. If you don't know who Anton Yelkin is, uh, Star Trek, Mr. Chekhov, the Russian. That was Anton Yelchik. He was like 24, and a horrific accident took him. He was a very promising young actor who was probably going to have a pretty storied career for him. Uh, in the future, as as time went on, Abe Vigoda, Nancy Reagan, uh, Alan Rickman—that was another one that hit me because Alan Rickman, I loved him more so from people who would just throw out Snape, Harry Potter. I mean, I don't typecast a lot of these people. The only one would probably be Carrie Fisher, but even 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 her. There's a lot of uh, outside. She was in Family Guy, voiceovering. Uh, she was in other. Movies as well, other than Star Wars. That's just her iconic character, though. You know what I mean? Alan Rickman, people probably see him and think Snape, but I see Alan Rickman and I think uh, I think some very, very classical movies, and then I think of goofy little things like Galaxy Quest, too. Because, yes, he was in Galaxy's Quest by Grabthar's Hammer, You Shall Be Avenged. Prince died, too. Prince, Doris Roberts. I didn't even know Doris Roberts passed. Glenn Frey, and and a lot more. 2016 was a heavy hitter for celebrities. I don't want to put the focus on them. Not That's not to say that they do or do not deserve the recognition. I mean, we're all human beings. So when people pass, it's, it's a sad occasion, I would assume. Very, uh... We'll, 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 we'll put an asterisk by that. Very, very varying on when an individual passes. But I don't like when people say, oh, why are people uh, all upset over these celebrities? Normal people die every day. And it's not because it's not that they automatically get the recognition for being a celebrity or having that title after their name. But when it's an actor, when it's a musician, when it's an artist, it, it strikes people in different ways depending on how they were influenced by them. If that makes sense. Yes, movies are, for all intents and purposes, fake, but maybe an actor really resonated with you. Maybe you really enjoyed their work. Maybe you grew up on their work. Maybe it left an impression on you. That's why I don't like when people jump on people mourning the passing of a celebrity. I can think of quite a handful of either celebrities or musicians or writers who, when their time comes and passes, I'll be a little upset as a fan because I enjoyed their work. And and they left that kind of impression on me. Or that influence. Or maybe it was just they took me out of the real world and gave me an hour and a half or you know however long. They gave me that much peace and enjoyment for that long. 
or continuously because some, let's face it, some forms of media you flock back to. You can probably think right now, you probably have a favorite movie that you've watched a dozen times over or a favorite book you've read a couple times. Maybe it's a CD or music that you've listened to over and over again. Or maybe you're just a boring person. I don't know. I can't make that determination from here. Moreover, 2016, moving away from the celebrities, moreover, there was a lot of tragedy that happened in 2016. And no, I'm not referring to the election of Donald Trump. I'm talking about serious tragedies. We can, we can debate Donald Trump in a little bit, but I'm talking about real tragedies. For example, there was an episode I did five months ago that was about the Dallas police shooting where somebody with, with a sniper rifle was targeting Dallas police officers in a hectic event at a, at, I believe it was a Black Lives Matter rally or some kind of other event was going on. And I believe it was six Dallas police officers targeted and, and executed. Very tragic event. Okay, also five months ago, another episode I had titled Madness, This is the World that looked over terror in France and literally highlighted like the past five years, five to ten years of terror attacks in France. Because, believe it or not, we can sit here and talk about San Bernardino all we want. We can talk about other incidents that have happened here in in America. But France, honestly, France overall has been hit harder than us. More often than us. On a deadlier and more bloody scale than us. We had the Berlin attack from not that long ago, just a couple weeks ago. The Berlin attack. Hell, the Madness This Is The World episode, literally I covered uh, the failed coup in Turkey. There was a, a, a mass shooting in Istanbul over the New Year's. And that's not even that's not even the tip of the iceberg. It's not even the tip of the iceberg. 2016 was filled with its own madness. More than just the presidential election. Hopefully you were looking outside and seeing what was going on in the world on a worldwide scale. Think about this. Go back and look at some of my episodes, if you have the time. There was uh, there was multiple occasions of uh, protesting against Donald Trump while he was running. Multiple protests. There was lots of reports of violence at uh, at rallies, both against Donald Trump supporters and not against Donald Trump supporters. Political rallies. Hell, in Chicago, they canceled one of his events because of. People going out and acting stupid. Not really going out and exercising freedom of speech and and peacefully protesting, which is something else that we've brought up on this program about the rights of the people and how far you can go with it when it comes to protesting things. But we're talking... I believe it was in Chicago. They, they 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 went out there and acted stupid and rowdy and caused Donald Trump to cancel his rally over security concerns and then praised the fact that they did that. Chicago. Okay, CNN, which I know. <laughs> I know people are going to nitpick CNN, but these are the the statistics that I'm pulling from the article are from the Chicago PD. All right, murders in Chicago. Let's go over some of the numbers for the past, ah, I don't know, six years. 2010, 438 murders. 2011, 437 murders. 2012, 503 murders. 2013, 421 murders. 2014, 423 murders. 2015, 496 murders. 2016, 762 murders. 
when pitting them against the other cities. This graph is, uh, the graph I'm looking at is very telling. Uh, number of killings per 100,000 people from 1985 to 2016. It shows Chicago, Los Angeles, New York. And New York's number is specifically just homicides. New York on 2016 is the lowest. The lowest on there. Los Angeles current numbers, 2016, under 10. Above 5, but under 10 killings per 100,000 people. Chicago, nearing 30. Now, they're still lower in terms of other cities. Chicago is just one of the larger cities with a murder problem. Further down, there's a graph that shows the breakdown of cities of more than 2 million people and cities with the highest murder rates, which is St. Louis, Detroit, and New Orleans. But you're talking about different populations and how that factors out. Be interesting to follow Chicago, see what they do to help curb that violence. And again, that's not even the tip of the iceberg. There was the whole, during the whole election, which I covered pretty heavily and tried to focus on and keep the commentary on, because politics, I think, needs to evolve. I think there needs to be more conversations with people. Uh, there's a lot of evolution to happen, and the debate and the disagreements and the arguments and the debating really comes into which direction to go and why. That's why you see a lot of people are stepping away from party politics. They're stepping away from Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, and it's becoming more of a progressive and libertarian kind of which direction do we go? Do we do we go with progressivism? Which to this day I still attest is is a movement that's wrapped up in a word that's supposed to mean progress and gives the illusion of progress. And if you were to go against the word progressive, then people would probably think you're regressive. That's part of what I think plays into part of that. I'm still trying to learn from different angles more about progressivism and the, quote, progressive movement. I myself have made some libertarian-ish discoveries. I'm not going to... I'm not going to come on here and try to tell all the libertarians that, hey, I'm one of you guys. I'm a big L libertarian. Uh, taxation is theft completely. Uh, we, should, uh, we should basically have four people running the government, and that's it. And they shouldn't really have any control whatsoever. Which is, by the way, a very bad example of libertarianism in a nutshell. But the taxation is theft thing is the number one thing you hear. Taxation is theft. You hear it over and over and over again from them. And I guess that's where I'm a little L libertarian because I'm the one that sits here and says government is a necessary evil and some things we're not going to get rid of, like taxation as a whole. But we could go on a tirade about that. We could go on a tirade about that. Let's not say we did. I've made some libertarian discoveries and the libertarian party itself made some great strides this year. Yes, Gary Johnson running for president didn't get 5% of the national vote, which would have been ideal. He did get, I believe, 3 or 4%, more than the Libertarian Party's ever got. Libertarian made massive strides in their fundraising, in their ballot access. They're moving forward in a way. In a way. But there's still lots of room left Still lots of ground to trod. For all the strides that there were, for all the, 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 for all the record-breaking on their own scale, really got to make an impact. And, and I think the Libertarian Party is best suited to do that in baby steps. Starting on smaller local-level governments, working their way up to the national level. needs some restructuring but I could do a whole probably hour long episode by itself on taxation 
and the goods, the bads, the indifference, and the differences between different tax systems. But think about all the other news stories that happened, too. The end of the year was swept up by uh, Russia-phobia, Soviet Union, Red Scare, communists. Oh, my God, they're trying to take over the world. They're hacking the election. You can go back and watch how news flip-flopped between reporting how it's impossible to hack the U.S. election to was the U.S. election hacked? It's amazing. Amazing play by the media. Not surprised from me. Not, not surprising from me or my perspective because I'm now one of those people that sit back and say, you know what, the media, they're trying to make a buck, so they're going to roll with whatever story generates buzz. That's what they're going to do. Boring doesn't generate buzz. We can talk about Russia interfering in an election. Okay, President Obama has already put out sanctions against uh, Russia. Russia's responded in kind in their own way. It's his last out-the-door method of, of landing something on Russia. Despite the fact that right immediately after the election, he would have he would have told you, "Hey, we have to help. Uh, we have to help for a nice, peaceful transition of power to Trump. It is what it is. This is what it brought." And then I guess maybe the pressure got turned up under him, or he just intended to do it all along. Everything pointing back to Russia. When go back, go, go look at look at WikiLeaks. Look at Julian Assange. All right, look at the uh, the WikiLeaks email dumps on the Democrats. Look at how, oh, I don't know, questions were leaked to Donna Brazil about town hall questions and fed to Hillary Clinton. Talk about how the Democratic Party in its whole entirety treated Bernie Sanders and the Bernie Sanders supporters. Uh, the, the intelligence agencies saying, oh, we have information on Russia, on Russia, but they're not releasing said information to Congress, to Anybody? It's it's a huge play because it's a selling point right now. Take a look at any news article. Any news article about it is about Russia hacking the election. There's a specific phrase there. Russia hacking the election. That brings into mind images of people hacking into voting booths and flipping how they did votes. Which doesn't make any sense. Hillary Clinton walked away with the popular vote. And just to crunch the numbers, which I know I've done before, but the numbers still slowly get updated. <clears throat> popular vote. Donald Trump, 62,979,879. Hillary Clinton, popular vote, 65,844,954. Okay, the difference, as of right now as of these numbers, is a difference of 2,865,075 votes. So we'll just call it, we'll, we'll round up, we'll call it 3 million votes. And everybody wants to be up in arms about how, oh, the, the, the election got stolen from Hillary Clinton and the nation is uh, under a, a president that it didn't really elect. And I'm sitting here looking at the numbers, 46 to 48%, and I think everybody's missing the point. Really think everybody's missing the point here. Three million votes. 62 million, 65 million. Three million votes. Three million is the, is the, is the difference. Three million people is truly a, a difference in, in when you're looking at the larger numbers? Not really. Three million is chump change. Three million is chump change. If Trump lost a key state here or there by a couple of votes, you know, just by a couple of votes, it goes Hillary Clinton's way. As it stands, uh, Trump 304 electoral votes versus Hillary Clinton's 227. Okay, and the voter turnout... 55.3%. A little over half. And if you ask me, both campaigns, both campaigns, Donald Trump's campaign, Hillary Clinton's campaign, 
both uninspiring, both lacking momentum, both lacking in quality, both incredibly terrible. People find that laughable when I say that because some people are so in their hearts and minds, Hillary Clinton was the choice. Well, if she was so the choice, how did she not win in a landslide? I'm sorry, 3 million popular votes in, in, in terms of when we're talking about 60 million votes on each side. More than 60 million votes on each side. 3 million is just, it's chump change to me. I don't see that as that significant. It's more significant than in past elections, sure, but as an overall, if that's the case, this nation is more divided than anybody's willing to really admit. And that's what drove me to looking at a libertarian point of view. Because the libertarian point of view, as presented to me by Penn Jillette over the past couple of years, thanks to his podcasts, his interviews, his friendships, I've, I've learned how Penn Jillette views the world, and I kind of like how he views the world better than how I was viewing the world, say, 10 years ago. Because Penn Jillette will tell you why he thinks the government should be playing a lesser direct role and why it should be less of a, we're all in this together because we're all individual people with individual needs, with individual wants, with individual goals. And when you have that level of individualism, well, you know, the government setting a standard for your health care or your education or what have you, doesn't really fit the bill for a super diverse body of people. And I mean super diverse body of people. So America, politically, and this is where when people ask me, where's the show going to go after the election? Oh, it can still heavily be on politics because America has some figuring out to do. America is now in a very much soul-searching mode. And that's for all sides. The Democratic Party is already in full swing of soul-searching because they realize that they propped up a candidate that couldn't get the job done and they treated it as if it was going to be a cakewalk. If you, it, it, That's my honest opinion. The Democratic Party treated it as if it was going to be a cakewalk and it's as if they got a cold hard slap of reality in their face that you just can't go with a cakewalk. You can't just, you can't play this as a game of who's next, who's next up. We got to groom that person, get them, get them in because they're going to win the election. You know, we have our, we have our voting bodies that we have locked up that the Republicans could never possibly touch and right on in with that progressivism too. It seems like that's what they do, and I don't understand it. I'd like, I would not want to be a member of the Democratic Party because, to, in my eyes, I feel like they would just look at me as a statistic. And I'm a statistic that, mind you, the, the Democratic Party doesn't want. I'm a, I'm a white male who is quickly approaching middle age, coming up on 30 pretty soon, uh, who is in the lower income bracket, Saddled in debt, needing to work and pay off my stuff. So as long as I have money to pay off my bills, that's it. Uh, there's nothing that they can benefit from from me being a part of their party, except maybe one vote. That's it. And what's in, in the Republican Party doesn't have me because while I'm conservative on the government, let's limit government, let's limit spending. Let's uh, try to make an open, free market, you know, things like that. While that is my approach, while I think that's a better approach, the Republicans fail me on social issues entirely. I don't think the government should be in the people's bedrooms. I, I, I think marriage isn't really even a government thing. I think that's a thing that has been a tradition saturated in religious background for such a long time, and the government just jumped on it because, hey, 
uh, hey, now they can now that now they have to pay us for a marriage license, and we can throw in cushy little tax benefits for getting married that promotes family, yada yada yada, child tax credits, yada yada yada. I think the government doesn't, you know, I I, I don't think the government actually cares. I don't think the Demo- I don't think the Democratic Party actually cared about the LGBT movement as much as they strategically used the movement. Lock up them votes. They can never go to the Republicans because the Republicans are full of evangelicals who hate them. At least that's what the media narrative would come off as. So that's why I am where I am. That's why I'm a political outcast. That's why you hear me singing the praises of of, of Rand Paul and Justin Amash and Ben Sass, but then you hear me saying things about Tulsi Gabbard and maybe even to a degree Bernie Sanders, although mostly now I disagree with the fella. But at least he cares, question mark. And that's not without saying, too, President-elect Trump has a lot to prove for himself in the coming year. Take no further step than looking at what's going on right now, setting up for his inauguration. You know, you have the Rockettes up in arms, the one that didn't want to go dance and then faced the possibility of, of being fired or released from the Rockettes. And there was a big debate over whether or not the Rockettes should be allowed to do that, despite the fact that what is your job as a Rockette? Go to where the performances are going. Somebody just quit the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which is slated to perform at Trump's inauguration. They were sent an invitation. This member quit because they couldn't come to grips. They think Donald Trump stands against everything that the church stands for. And it should it should be noted, too, that uh, Ronald Reagan dubbed the Mormon Tabernacle Choir America's Choir They've performed at uh, the inaugurations of Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, uh, George H.W. Bush, and George W. Bush. So, not really a tradition to have the Mormon Tabernacle Choir at an inauguration of the President of the United States, but there's a history and a pattern there in recent years. But if you ask me, like this member quitting the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, it's not even newsworthy to me. Why is this being reported on the news? This is amazing. This is an amazing America where a member of a, mind you, a church choir, a choir that is directly attached to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a church member, a member of a private church organization, decides to quit the choir, which, mind you, probably has a pretty stringent set of rules to get into the choir, uh, decides to quit the choir because the choir is accepting the invitation to perform at Donald Trump's inauguration. Oh my God! It's you, let's let's just dumb down this article to plain. Free person decides to leave organization they joined freely because they disagree with what they're doing. That's newsworthy nowadays. Because oh, let's find the controversy. You know, I'm, this is a CNN article, but it's on it's on any news source, any news source. You can go and wa- and read this story from whatever angle you want. Trump's got a lot to prove, man. Trump has a lot to prove. I do not envy the man whatsoever, but I do I do not wish failure either. Nobody should want to wish failure because that's all of us. That's that's we're that, that is all of us. That's America. It's going to be a rocky road, though. Let's not sugarcoat it or anything like that. It's a rocky road, and there's a lot of soul-searching that both the Democratic and the Republican Party have to do uh, because this is a one-term president. If it even lasts a full term. But it's a one-term presidency. Hopefully, at least. I can't imagine talking in past four years about this. But, man, am I looking forward to it. Thumbs up. Thumbs way up. In the meantime, you have stories like this. House considering a bill condemning anti-Israel UN resolution. I talked a little bit about that at the end of the last week's episode about uh, 
United Nations Security Council Resolution 2334, which uh, essentially bans Israel from building settlements on land claimed by the Palestinians. Uh, it was a 14 to nothing vote late December in which uh, President Barack Obama told the uh, U.S. What's the word I'm looking for? Ambassador. Uh, not to vote. Abstain from voting on it. Do not uh, vote against it. Do not be the block. Do not be the veto to the resolution. It's brought about a lot of mixed feelings. Uh, John Kerry went on about, a, I think, like an hour tirade, and I actually watched it on uh, my CSN Live app. My CSN Live, not my CSN, my CBS N Live app. Uh, just talking about how trying to build up a case about Barack Obama being one of the staunchest defenders of Israel throughout his administration. Uh, The article here, which I'm taking from The Blaze, uh, says House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Ed Royce announced the bill Monday in a joint statement which they said would have bipartisan support and when the bill goes to the floor on Thursday. I read that wrong, I'm sorry. And uh, when I say mixed, I mean, if you go further down this article, it says, quote, following the passage of Resolution 2334, Senate Democrats issued a scathing statement addressing Obama's decision to abstain from vetoing the resolution and allowing it to pass. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schirmer, Democrat New York, name I don't often agree with, was the loudest voice condemning Obama's actions, along with Senators Joe Manchin, who is saddled in controversy lately, Bob Casey from Pennsylvania, Richard Blumenthal, Mark Warner, and Chris Coons, Delaware's own Chris Coons. These Democrats have said they will work with their Republican colleagues to make it clear they support Israel. It's a very touchy subject. And for some... Further down this article, quote, For some, however, it's simply condemning the U.N. is not enough. At least two senators, Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham, have called for the U.S. to strip all of its U.N. funding until the U.N. repeals its anti-Israel resolution. I'm going to read up more, take in some more media on that, and decide what my stance is on that. Because I'm very torn as a libertarian type of guy, as a guy who thinks America should put its own priorities first. Yes, Israel is an ally. Yes, Israel deserves our backing, but do you guys know how much money we give in foreign aid to these countries? It is questionable. It's something that needs to be looked at. It's something that needs to be debated for sure. That's a hot news topic right now, especially with Donald Trump getting ready to be sworn in in a few short weeks, especially that Democrats are against what Obama did. Some, some, some of those names were top flight Democratic names. So it's interesting to see how this unfolds and plays out. So I'm going to wrap it at that. It's been 48 minutes, almost uh, almost a full hour coming up on. And uh, I just need to take a break. It's 1230 already. And I need to <laughs> I need to take a break. I need to eat some uh, eat some lunch. Uh, spend the rest of the day fooling and goofing off. Maybe watching the Blaze Network. I actually, let me break for a minute there. The Blaze, my wife got me that subscription this year for Christmas, so I'm I'm now a Blaze subscriber. I can watch all the uh, videos and all that. So far, the last week, I've been diving in and watching the on-demand stuff because nothing's been live. Glenn Beck and his crew take a break for the holidays, which I actually like that he does that. Thumbs up for caring about your employees. I've been watching uh, on-demand stuff, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Uh, some of it very informative, and some of it making me dive and research things a little deeper. I always like things that, that manage to do that. So, so far, honey, it's a good experience. Now I'll start seeing the live experience as it plays into that. Uh, something else, too. As I said, one-year anniversary of the podcast, man. I can't believe it's been a year. It, it goes by like like that, snap of the fingers. What's in store for the next year? I've already told you a little bit. Uh, pimping out this office, getting a little better equipment, getting some soundproofing. Uh, I'm also looking at uh, maybe breaking off and doing more episodes. Do like a political news-oriented episode and 
an episode that is totally unrelated on another subject about my hobbies, uh, whatever, whatever pops up. The other thing I'm looking to do is get better equipment, like, for instance, computer, possibly some more microphones and start uh, branching out, getting more people involved in this process. And, of course, with my degree being completed fairly soon, there's a whole world out there that's going to open up. It's going to be a, a different ball game, if you know what I mean. So there's those specific things. And then I plan to aggressively tweak my social media. So if you follow the FritzCast Facebook page, for example, uh, plan on posting more video in between, more videos, uh, more little promo things that you can share with your friends and, and drop, uh, trying to get more interaction from everybody. So... The FritzCast Facebook page is going to boost up, and I'm working on revamping the Twitter as well so it can go with that, possibly linking all that into my LinkedIn account as well. So stay tuned for that. If you have any ideas that you think I should be utilizing and I'm missing, feel free to send that my way, man. FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. Always looking for ways to, to improve and interact. Looking to The other thing I'm looking for is for partnerships, and I'm helping out a couple buddies who want to get into podcasting, teaching them the ropes, some of the equipment they need, and, and how to go about doing it. Um, I'd say more than 75% of podcasting is just doing it. 25% getting the equipment, 75% doing it. So that'll be interesting to come, and I'll keep you guys posted on that uh, and share that as that develops. In the meantime, though, enjoy the rest of your week. Like, share, comment, do your thing on social media. I appreciate you. And I'll see you guys next week as we move ahead into 2017.